This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Well, how often do you feel like just giving up? <laughs> you ever feel that way? I know, there, I know there's, some, there's, some, there's some teenagers here this morning. Maybe you've never felt like giving up. You feel immortal, invincible. You're going to graduate high school, and you're going to feel like giving up in your first semester of college. You're going to be like, what am I doing, and what did I sign up for? <laughs> I need my mama. You feel like giving up. And there's all kinds of things that make us feel like giving up. I put out on my Instagram on like Thursday or Friday, I said, I need some help with my sermon. And I said, uh, I said what, what makes you lose heart in your experience? What, what can make you lose heart in following Jesus? And uh, I got a lot of responses. A lot of responses. And it just told me, man, there's a lot of things in life that we experience that can make us lose heart in following Jesus. Um, a lot of us, we lost heart with our diet this year. <laughs> Sorry to remind you, right? You know, it's like December and January, you had big goals, but you lost heart, right? And we can all see, we can all tell, you know. Just kidding, kind of, you know. You're like, Pastor, you lost heart, yeah. Like about February, I lost heart, right? I lost heart in February. And, you know, if we, if we lose heart in our diet, we just get fat. No big deal, right? You're a little happier when you're fat, aren't you? Especially in the winter. Mm, in the winter, it keeps you warm. <laughs> but it's pretty tragic when we lose heart in following Jesus. Amen. You know, there's some things that we can lose heart in. You know, you're in your first semester of college, you lose heart, you move home. Man, you weren't meant for college anyways. You need to be working all along with your hands, right? So losing heart in your first semester of college might have just been God nudging you toward what you needed to be doing. You lose heart in doing the wrong thing. Helps you do the right thing, right? But losing heart and following Jesus, man, that's the most tragic thing that could happen. And, um, and there's all kinds of things that can make us lose heart. Have you ever had a Christian mentor to totally let you down and fail you? You looked up to them, you had them on a pedestal, probably shouldn't have had them on the pedestal all along, but you just thought they were awesome, they had a huge spiritual impact in your life, and then they go and do the unthinkable, and you just begin to ask yourself in your heart, man, well, like, what is all this following Jesus anyways? Early, earlier this year, Susan's stepdad was tragically killed in a car accident. I don't have a clue why. I don't have a clue why. Like, I, I, I cannot give you any good reason why. To me, it seems pretty pointless. Why did that happen? I got nothing. Now, some of you, that's right where you are this morning. 
There's some disappointment. There's some heartache. And you, as, as hard as you try, as much as you memorize, and God works all things out together for the good that love him and are called according to his purpose, as many times as you quote that verse out loud on your knees, you still can't find a reason why. And the heartache is real. And maybe the anger is real. And maybe the doubt has just swallowed your faith. The, the, the context of our text this morning is um, Ephesians, Paul's writing, Ephesians, Ephesians 3, if you want to turn there in your Bible, Ephesians 3, and Paul's in jail. And, and Paul was like this amazing apostle that was going on missionary journeys, preaching the gospel, people were getting saved, and churches were being planted. And now he gets in jail. So you can imagine how all these early Christians, who they're just trying to figure it out, right? They don't have thousands of years of Christianity to look back on. They've got like a hot minute since Jesus had died, had risen, and had ascended to the Father. And Paul had been preaching for like just a hot minute. And, and so now he's in jail, and you can imagine they're going, I thought this thing was supposed to go well. I thought the gates of hell was not we're not supposed to prevail against the church. Isn't that what Jesus said? That the gates of hell would not prevail against the church? And now Paul's in jail. Can you imagine, like, the murmuring, like, is it, was this guy legit? Did he just pull one over on us? Is he the real deal? Is Paul really sent by God? Is God really for us? Is God looking out for us? It's like the mission. Paul gets jailed, and, like the mission's like to a halt, right? Um, in, in the Instagram that I, that I posted where people were chiming in and listing all these things that caused them to lose heart and following Jesus, it was, it was like all, con, all kinds of stuff. Just disappointment after disappointment um, that, that begins to attack our faith. And this is right where the Ephesian Christians were. They were new to this movement. They were, they were new to the movement of Jesus. Paul was like the leader. He was like the dude pointing them to the leader, Jesus. But, but Paul was leading this movement through his preaching and through his planting of churches, and now he's in jail. And so the temptation was that they were going to lose heart. So the goal was the church. That was the goal. Paul was preaching the gospel so that the church would be formed. That was the goal. The goal was the church. The threat was losing heart. And the answer to the threat is Ephesians 3, starting in verse 1. Will you look at it with me? Ephesians 3, starting in verse 1. Let's, let's read it together. Paul writes, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very 
least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he had realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So, I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray. Speak to us through your sacred scriptures. Speak personally, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you live long enough, if you live long enough, you're going to be tempted to throw in the towel on some aspect of your faith. Maybe you're serving Jesus with a lot of passion. Something's going to happen somewhere along the way where you're going to lose heart or be tempted to lose heart and, and just step away from serving. Some of you right now, this has been the most generous year you've ever experienced in giving to the Lord. But something's going to happen. Somebody's going to fail you. Somebody's going to disappoint you. God's not going to come through. And you're going to be tempted to lose heart. You're going to be tempted to just stop giving. Maybe you're going to get bitter toward God. Maybe you're just going to, you know, feel like you're going to manipulate God. You're just going to, you know, whatever it is. Your, your heart's just going to grow cold. You're going to, you, you might be here physically, but in your heart, you're, you've lost heart. You, you've lost heart. Maybe you used to be the most passionate worshiper of Jesus in your family. You would sing songs both at church, in the car, at home, and in the shower. Something's going to happen. If it hasn't already happened, something's going to happen that's going to tempt you to lose heart to where your song is silenced. And, and Paul knew that him being jailed could cause the church to lose heart. When you read through the book of, book of Acts, you see that the church suffered great persecution. Did you know in the world today, in some countries, it's illegal, Ill, illegal, punishable by death to claim to be a Christian? Did you know that? Illegal, punishable by death to be a Christian. Well, when you read through the, the, the book of Acts, you see that, that Christians were beat for following Jesus in some places. And so you can imagine, okay, here it is, being a Christian in this day and time cost people something. It ought to cost us something. If we follow him a little more passionately, it will cost you something. If you follow him authentically, it will cost you something. It may not look like what it looked like then, but it, sometimes it would cost them beating. Sometimes it would cost them ridicule. Sometimes it would cost them uh, being absolutely um, abolished from their family. You know, in a Muslim culture today, if, so, if a Muslim comes to Christ, they're absolutely disowned by their family. Do you know that? So you can imagine if the leader who's been telling us about the promises of God, who's telling us about the power of God, who's been telling us about the love of God, if he gets thrown in jail, how they may go, is all that stuff he was telling us true? Like, is all that stuff he was telling us about Jesus and about God and about his promises, is that, is that true? And if Paul's getting thrown in jail, what's next for me? I don't know. 
I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm up for it. I don't know if I'm up for it. And the reality, church, the, the reality is that all through our Christian journey, we're, we're going to need constant reminders to help us not to lose heart. That's actually what the whole Christian journey is. That's actually what it means to be a Christian, to fight the fight of faith, to fight to believe, and to fight to not lose heart. And so in our text this morning, Paul gives four reminders to help us not lose heart. And the first reminder that he gives us, he's explaining what God did. And the first reminder is God made Paul a minister. He made Paul a minister. Look at verses 1 through 2. For this reason, I, Paul, we see that I think the, for this reason is back in verses 22 of, of 21 and 22, really, really the whole text, the whole text that leads up to this. God's divine plan of molding the church and making the church. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. So Jesus met Paul and transformed his life radically and called him to be an apostle. That's what he's describing here. And he describes it as a gift. He's like, man, I didn't deserve to be an apostle. I didn't earn the right to be an apostle. Indeed, in this text, he says, I was least of all the saints. Like, I'm the least of all the saints now. Paul was a persecutor of Christians. He hated Christians. He celebrated the killing of Christians. And God chose him to be an apostle. And and so Paul's reminding them of that so they don't lose heart. Just thinking about that, it's like, yeah. Remember what God did in Paul's life. Don't forget. Don't forget Ephesians, he's writing. Don't forget that I was a Christian hater and a Christian killer, and God changed me. And now I'm a Christian apostle and a preacher of the gospel. Don't forget. Look at verses 7 through 9. He, he, he writes it a little more explicitly here. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. You know, you don't choose to be a pastor. You didn't choose to be an apostle. You don't sign up for it because you think it's a good gig. God makes you one. <laughs> he touches you. He calls you. You can run from it, but you can't hide. <laughs> he says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power to me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Verse 9, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, whom God created all things. Now this could be confusing if, if when you read the word grace, you think, well, isn't that the gift of salvation? Yes, the gift of salvation is a gracious gift. God gives us something that we don't deserve. But here Paul is using the same theme and concept of grace to describe his calling as an apostle, the ministry that God gave him. He said it was a, it was a gift of grace. This, this ministry that God gave me, I didn't deserve it. It's a gift of grace. It's a privilege, he says. It's a privilege to be an apostle. But he's just reminding them. They knew it. Like, look, at, look back at what he says. Verse 2, assuming you've heard of this, right? Like, I assume you already know this. 
You know, in, in, other, in other words, Paul's not trying to introduce something new to them. He's just trying to remind them of what they knew so they don't lose, they don't lose heart. He says, remember. Remember what God did in my life. And he says, so we, that's, that's the first, that's the first uh, helpful um, reminder. The next is that God revealed his mystery. This is beautiful. Look back and we're going to read verses 1 through 6 together and then verse 9. Look at this with me in the text. For this reason I, Paul, prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery, there it is, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. So God revealed it to him, and it was a mystery. He says, as I have written briefly. So he wrote about how God did that briefly in the past. Verse 4, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. In other words, what he's saying is, is when you read what I write, you can tell there's, a, there's something new here. The mystery that was hidden, it's being made clear here. It's a new day. It's a new dawn. There's something fresh and powerful that God was doing through Jesus Christ in the birth of the church, extending the gospel to the Gentiles. Verse 5, he says, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So he's saying, look, one reason to not lose hope is we're really, really blessed to see the full picture. We get to see it all. There's a, there was a mystery hidden that the generations of, of God followers before us, they didn't even know about it. And now we get to know about it. The mystery is made clear. Verse 6, this mystery is that Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now let's be honest this morning. Some of us were just not impressed by that at all. Like for some of us, we're like, what is a Gentile again, right? Like, I know, I got it. A Gentile is somebody that's not a Jew, not one of God's chosen people. God had an, ex God had an exclusive relationship, a special relationship with his chosen people, Israel, the Jewish people. But as, as God's plan was unfolding, namely through the preaching of the apostles, namely through the coming of Jesus, and Jesus' commission to go and make disciples of all nations. It was foretold and promised to Abraham, through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. But now his plan is unfolding. The mystery that was hidden is becoming clear. And for many of us, like, it's like, like we're kind of thinking, like, like I should be impressed with that, but I don't know. I don't know if I am. Like that's supposed to be significant, but I just don't know how significant it is. And, and the, listen, the reason it does not cause our hearts to be absolutely in awe is because we've not read the Old Testament much. And we've not familiarized ourselves with the story of God. If we had of the reality that God was now bringing the good news of the gospel to the Gentiles would cause our jaws to drop. But let me try to break it down for us in, in a helpful way. How many of you ever been? How many of you have ever been out of the country? You ever been out of the country? About half of us have been out of the country. When you go out of the when you go out of the country, you go into a new culture where they speak a new language and, and they eat new foods, different foods, right? 
They have, a, they have a different way of thinking. They have a different way of getting around. They have a different way of speaking. They have a different way of eating. They have a different way of relating. But all over the world today, people are worshiping Jesus Christ. Different language, different culture, different food, different way of living, same Jesus. You go to Germany, different language, different food, different culture, different way of thinking, same Jesus. You go to Australia, cool accent, different food, different animals, right? Different way of living, same Jesus. You go to Uganda, different food, different culture, different way of thinking, different values, different systems, different way of getting around, same Jesus. Are you, are you beginning to see? Like we could rattle off a few more countries this morning, but I think you get the idea, don't you? You, you could go to New Jersey. <laughs> different way of talking, different way of thinking, different way of getting around, right? <laughs> Different liberal use of profanity, you know, like, what, you know, whatever, you know, like, I, I don't know. Same Jesus. And this is what Paul is saying. Paul, Paul, Paul's saying the mystery that's now been revealed is that Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is for every culture. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Don't lose heart. You're a part of a global movement, a global plan, a global purpose. And when you read through the book of Revelation, you see how it's going to end around the throne, worshiping the Lamb from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Jesus has a people from every people group that are going to be worshiping him. That's why we invest money. That's why we pray. That's why we send missionaries to the ends of the earth is because Jesus is for everyone. So Paul's in jail, and the movement is just getting started. And Jesus has commissioned them to make disciples of all nations. So they're thinking, they got big plans, and they got big dreams, and they're thinking about how do we get over there? Because there wasn't really trains, right? Like camels and feet, right? You know, like how do we get all the way over there with the gospel? And they're fired up and they're enthused. And then this bucket of water is poured on them when Paul gets thrown in jail. So real life, I wonder what in 2023 is going to tempt you and me to lose heart. I mean, interest rates stink right now. They could go up. Like, you know, we're watching the news and we're thinking like inflation. Like it's going to, you know, like in faith. I'm just speaking it into, you know, speaking it into reality. In faith, it's inflation's going to drop a little. It could go up. What could happen in the life of our church? Not I don't, I don't want to, like, send you all home depressed and, like, worrying. <laughs> like, the opposite is what the goal is this morning. But the reality is that the enemy and just reality and living in a broken world, there's gonna, listen, there's going to be something that happens in our church that tempts you and me to lose heart in what he's doing in real life. It's, it's going to come. If it hasn't already come for you, it's going to come. You're going to be tempted to throw in the towel. You might be tempted to look for another church. It's going to happen. Something's going to happen sooner or later 
if you follow Jesus long enough, that's going to tempt you, not just from throwing in the towel in real life, but it's going to tempt you from throwing in the towel altogether in your faith. Altogether. And, and Paul's just giving these reminders because he doesn't want these early Christians to lose heart. And he says, remember, God's revealed the mystery. The mystery. Anybody love like a mystery thriller movie? I do. It's like this unfolding What's the mystery? Jesus isn't just for the Jewish people. He's for every culture, in every place, in every corner. So don't you lose hope, because if you lose hope, somebody in the ends of the earth may not hear the gospel. If you stop giving, the gospel may not get to where it goes. If you stop praying, the strongholds may not be broken that need to be broken to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. Jesus is for everybody. It's been revealed now. That's the plan. That's the purpose. Gospel to the ends of the earth. He's for everybody. So don't lose hope. Because your faith in this place today impacts a global movement. That's what was being revealed. It's for the Gentiles. Isn't that amazing? Well, God made Paul a minister and God revealed his mystery, but God had a mission. Look at verses 10 and 11. Here we see God's mission. He says, so that, what's so that? Well, God made him a minister, and God revealed the mystery. He did those things so that through the what? Okay, thank you. Some of your, we'll, we'll, do, we'll try again. Look at it with me. Verse 10. And so God made Paul a minister, and he was revealing the mystery so that through the what? church. This is God's plan A. It's his passion. It's his commitment. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Listen, what God is doing in this room right now is being watched and marveled at in the heavenly places. In, 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 a, in, in other words, like God is pulling back the curtain for the angels as he builds his church and they celebrate and they marvel and they worship God when they see prodigals turn home, when they see people's hearts soften, when they see people worship the living God, when they see people endure persecution to preach the gospel. The angels are in awe of what God is doing in the, in the what? In the church. Now, I just want you to look back at verse 10 with me just for a second. So that through the, if you underline the word church, and if you try to replace it with anything else, it's wrong. It's wrong. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. In other words, if you want to get in on what God is like, it's his passion, it's his plan, it's his everything, and it's so like fundamental to what he's doing, it's impacting the heavenly realm, you'll go all in with his church. It doesn't have to be this church. Maybe you're just visiting this morning, but you need to get a part of a local church. It's the bride of Christ. You don't need to speak badly about the church. Jesus doesn't like when we speak badly about his bride. I mean, if you walked up and you, I heard you like speaking badly about my wife, it would not go well. And I would have to apologize and repent after how I responded. So when we go down on the church, we're going down on the bride of Christ. So like, we shouldn't even get close to that, but it's not about getting down on the church. It's about going all in with the church. Le leveraging our all. Why? It's, it's God's mission. 
It's his plan. You're not going to regret it. You're not, you're not going to get to the end of the, you're not going to get to the last day and think, I gave too much to Jesus' bride. I served Jesus' bride too much. I loved them too well. Nobody's ever going to get there. It's the bride of Christ. And it's his plan that through the church, look at verse 10, that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he had realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, God's been thinking about the church. How long? <laughs> Since eternity passed. Wow. Wow. You feel like God's forgotten about you, Christian? He's been thinking about you for eternity. And he's got a plan for you. Lastly, we see that Jesus gives access to the Father. Oh, this is so good. This is a great way to land the plane this morning. Look at this in verse 12. In whom, in who? In Jesus. Look at verse 11. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Look at verse 12. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So when you turn to Jesus with small faith or big faith, it doesn't really matter, but you turn to Jesus with genuine faith, faith in his life and in his death and in his resurrection, you were saved when you turned to him in faith. You were saved into a relationship with God. You received the spirit of God in your life, and in a moment you're justified and you're granted access to the Father. <laughs> access. Um, Susan and I went to Opryland. Um, the church sent us to Opryland for the night. Thank you. Uh, it was great. It's a gift from the church. Pastor Appreciation Month back in October. It was great. We went to Opryland Hotel, and it's nostalgic for me because I ran around there as a kid, you know, trying to get lost. It feels like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, but at Christmas time, do you know what I mean? It's like amazing Christmas. It's like the perfect mashup for a kid. And um, and they gave us a band that got us in um, to the water park. And sadly, we didn't play in the water park. I don't know if you're surprised, but, but the band, you come up to a gate, and you can't go in unless you got a band. And you put the band there, and man, it feels like power. Because you put the band there, and it goes, and it opens. It opens. Jesus, he opened access for us to have access to the Father. I wanted to go all alliteration, but this came to me after the like after the, the notes got submitted, Jesus gives us access to the majesty. So if, you just, if that just makes you happier to rewrite it with an M there, Jesus gives us access to the, to the majesty. To the majesty. And not just access, but Paul writes, he says, boldness. Like access, but boldness and confidence. So not like, check this out. If you come into God's presence like Oh, I think he's, I, th I think I've really disappointed him now. That's not the way Jesus invites us. If you, if you come into God's presence kind of with your head down, ashamed, then you don't understand that Jesus took your shame on the cross. In, in other words, we don't come into church, we don't come into God's presence, we don't come into prayer feeling like, Oh, no, I really blew it, and God's really disappointed with me now. No, no, no. Because of Jesus, we come into access with the Father. Boldness. Confidence. Confident of what? This is where I belong. 
I, I belong in the presence of God, being loved by God, chosen by God, adopted by God. That's where I belong. So, so we don't hesitate coming to God in prayer. We don't listen to the lies that we're not welcome, we're not enough, we really failed this time. No, we look at Jesus and go, whoa, <laughs> I'm in. I'm in because of Jesus. Do you see it, church? And listen, we're going to be tempted, just like these Ephesians were. We're going to be tempted to lose heart. We're going we're to be tempted to, you get, listen, you're going to be tempted to stop getting up and, and coming to church. You're going to be tempted to stop serving the church. You're going to be tempted to stop giving to Jesus through the church. You're going you're gonna to be tempted to stop reading your Bible. You're going to be tempted to stop praying. You're going to be tempted to stop singing. And Paul just says, I just, I just want to remind you, you've got access to the Father. You, at any time, on any day, can speak straight to the God of the universe that holds it all in his hand. And, and Paul believes that that reminder will help us not lose heart. And I think he's right. I think he's right. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, there's so many disappointments in this world. Lord, we've got so many unanswered questions. And many of us, Lord, were frustrated with you today. Many of us were angry with you today. Many of us... We just have unanswered questions, and God, we thank you that even in the midst of our disappointment, you've reminded us today that we don't have to lose heart, that you made Paul a minister, and you revealed the mystery that Jesus is for all people, and you've, you have a mission in your church, and, and oh God, that you've given us access. Lord, some of us this morning, if we were honest, we would say we're just hanging on by a thread to our faith, just hanging on by a thread. Thank you, God, when we feel like we're hanging on by a thread, you've got us locked up, <laughs> engraved on your hands. Nobody has taken us out of your hand. Thank you, Lord. Would you just encourage our spirit today just to trust you one more day, just to not lose heart tomorrow. Just help us tomorrow not lose heart. And that will be enough for right now. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.